You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Programme. It's Penn and Pete here. Double up. <laughs> Two times in a row, Pete. That's Good right. Good job. Yep, we can do it. Yes, we can. It's a beautiful day. Great for football, wherever it is. Not sure what football is on this weekend. Probably the digital experience is what's going to get us through with the EPLs and the World Cup qualifiers and all that kind of thing on your social platforms. 10, 10 Paramount. That's it. So, yep, FFA Cup on this afternoon, this evening, so if you follow yep. a couple of those Eastern States teams. Yep, yep, that's it. Uh, I think it's a, one of the two last rounds of 32, is it? Uh, I think us. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of 32 the... rounds. And uh, when you say us, Perth Glory, no, no, we're yep. still in the round before the 32, so yeah, everything got really messed yeah, up that's for right. a while there. Yeah, there's two delayed fixtures before they move into the next uh, round. and to the, to the Yeah, to the cup proper, as yep. it was. And one of them is us. Yes. Yes, unfortunately not a home game for... A, Perth Glory, but there you go. We still get to play the game. Yep. And that's all good. We've got a great show today. We've actually got a lot of guests lined up today, so we're going to move through things uh, with a bit of, bit of brevity, but uh, a lot of information. And a big thank you to everybody for listening in. You're on 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. Pen and Pete taking you through to noon today. Big thank you to all the listeners that become members of the show. We're volunteers, so we absolutely appreciate it. Plus, Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron, Futsal WA and Gating Fence Hardware. Thank you very much, everybody, and anyone who listens in. We appreciate it. Share the word. The guest today, we've got Ryan Lenigan from Football West, Vince Matassa, who's on the Football Hall of Fame. He's down at the Craft Fair at Claremont Showgrounds, which I think is the largest craft fair in the Southern Hemisphere. It's absolutely massive. It's an antiques and collectors fair, so Football, ha- football Hall of Fame's down there with a bit of a presence. Uh, Alistair Gomes from Fair Game Australia, Simon Hill, who's now with Network 10 and Paramount Football. That's an absolute yep. bloody mouthful, I've got to say. <laughs> um, 
and Emma Linus, the president of Blackwood United Football Club, and Jonathan, whoo, here we go, Jonathan Aspropotamitis. Aspro. Aspro, that's just, it. Just Aspro, I think you can get away with saying. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what's happening today. Uh, a lot of football, of course, and we're going to try and get through that lot in two hours. That's usually what our end of season show looks like. We try and get as many people as we can in the studio and then on the line. Yeah. We've got a few weeks and then we're going to finish for the year and all of the team will be in the studio having a... Oh, no, oh except for Pete. <laughs> Is that your beer celebration? Is it on that day, Pete? No, no. It's no, my, right. my daughter has a dance concert that oh, apparently I've... That's right. You know... Parental duties. There's always something happening on that day. There is, isn't there? And only for you. Everyone else. Everyone else will be in. <laughs> cool. All right. Well. So I don't know who's going to supply the witticisms that day, but maybe Hugh can step up to the plate. I'm sure we can fill the gap. We're going to go to break, and we are going to try and get Vince on the line from the market and let us know what's happening out there. It's a big weekend over there with football. Hall of Fame landing in that space. Isn't that normally held on a, a public holiday, like a long weekend? Well, how come it's on, you know, random November weekend? I know. It's usually in April, yeah. but because of COVID, it got held in June or July this yep, year. I can't remember. That's right. um, and I'm not quite sure why it's in November. Is it only once a year? I don't know. Well, obviously, this year it's it, twice a year. With COVID, it's kind of change the dates a bit and I'm a bit confused now. What we'll do is we'll we'll assume that Vince Matassa knows all the answers <laughs> to these questions, which he'll have no clue about, but we'll put them to Absolutely, him anyway. we will. We'll be back shortly talking more football with Penn and Pete on the World Football Programme. G'day, I'm Peter Skeeler, the man behind A-LeagueStats.com and part of the World Football Team for 2021. Joining me this year will be women's football expert Penny Tannehoe, Ashfield Sports Club member Sean Kelly, Subutio expert Hugh Best and Junior Matilda's goalkeeper Miranda Templeman. We will be with you every Saturday morning through to the end of November talking football. Catch the show on live stream or via our new website, listen in later on the podcast or land on our Facebook page and share your football news. The World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program, Penn and Pete. 107.9 FM, and a good morning to you, Dave Kindness. He says, morning, Penn and Pete. This weekend, football has already started with Scotland 2-0 over Moldova in the World Cup qualifiers. Yes, Dave. Hmm. Always good to bring us up with what's happening with Scotland. And we've got Vince Matassa on the line. Good morning, Vince. Good morning, Penny. What's happening out your way? Well, yeah, this morning, uh, myself and the uh, president of the uh, committee for the Football Hall of Fame, WA, are just at the collector's fair at the showgrounds with some of the amazing, uh, I guess, items and memorabilia that we have collected over the years from uh, WA football. So we just use this opportunity, I guess, to, you know, expand the knowledge of the Football Hall of Fame to, to an audience who doesn't usually do much to do with football, but um, also the opportunity to 
to grab people who go, oh, I've actually got some stuff from a grandparent or a father or something that we've kept in the cupboard and things like that. So it's a chance to collect and, and uh, broaden the knowledge of the Football Hall of Fame. That's so quite a good opportunity. Nice. And I believe there's a World Cup replica sitting somewhere on one of those tables. <laughs> there is. And uh, it's, it's just as heavy as the real thing, I suspect. I've not uh, ever held the real thing, <laughs> like, like any other Australian footballer. But... Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a lovely little addition to uh, to the little stall here, which just draws people in, I suppose. We've got we've got things like you know shirts from some of the local clubs as well as West Australian state teams uh, signed by players. There's a great photo from the 1930s of the WA state team, 1950s with a and I, I just noticed this photo of the WA state team from the 1950s, 60s with this amazing black swan right in the front and centre of the shirt. And mm. I actually don't mind that. I wouldn't mind that becoming the the state shirt again. I think the really big black swan. I think it's great. Nice. So just some really interesting old things. There's a, there's a great photo of an under-15 women's state team which has a certain Sam Kerr there sitting in the, <laughs> the bottom corner yep. as well. So uh, some really amazing, uh, I guess, memory joggers as well. People forget that, you know, the WA state team played against, well, Sam Dory in recent times. But the thing thing about uh, Moscow Torpedo came here in the 1990s uh, when they were one of the biggest biggest clubs in Europe yep. to play against the WA state team. Um, a few other things like that. So it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? And we kind of hope there'll be lots and lots of people come through the fair over the weekend. It is supposed to be one of the biggest markets collectors fairs in the Southern Hemisphere. and It's at the Claremont Showgrounds, which is a big space in that yeah. huge pavilion there, two levels. So we hope you'll be busy, Vince. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when I, when I arrived, you know, about half an hour before the opening this morning, there was uh, certainly hundreds of people lined up, queued up to get in, waiting an hour to come nice. in. So uh, it is... It is a big fair, and uh, Liz Ray is here with me. Tells me there's still a queue to get in. We've been going for an hour now, so it shows you that there's a lot of interest in the fair. Uh, yes, a lot of people walk up and try to buy the items. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let them take but, them. Uh, we explain to them we're, we're doing a reverse a reverse uh, style fair, and that we we like to collect things from people so we can add to our collection uh-huh. rather than buy it. Uh, we do have Richard Kreider's book Paddock to Pictures, which is about the history of WA football uh, on sale. So we do have something on sale, but uh, more, you know, by and large, we're really trying to just to raise people's awareness and find those one or two people who do have some, some paraphernalia from many years ago who would like to donate it. And, uh, look, I think there's no doubt about it. Longer term and uh, medium term, our goal is to try and have some kind of a museum where we can actually display these items because yep. they're amazing and uh, it's, it's never easy to find a, a base for this. Um, we've been working very hard as a community to find that. And I think certainly before the Women's World Cup in 2023, when... The eyes of the world will be on, on Perth, in actual fact, uh, depending on the, the teams we get here. It would be nice to have actually a permanent uh, exhibition up for people to come and enjoy it. And we can hold functions there as well. So that's something that the committee's working on. And, and I think um, given how much of this amazing memorabilia we do have, and we don't have many opportunities to display it like this, uh, it would be great to have somewhere that we can do that perhaps permanently. Mm. A- absolutely. And you're right, the kind of reverse psychology with us being there, isn't it? That we're looking at uh, people coming, having a chat and telling us all their experiences and we want to make sure that we have everything kept for the football community so we don't want anyone to throw anything away. The idea is that we brand ourselves out there, let everyone know that we're going to be able to put it and display it somewhere in a museum or wherever that might be and we don't want you to throw it away, we'll keep it and then we'll clean it up like we've got the stall there today. So we're polishing up all the trophies and fixing them all up and proudly displaying them and keeping them for the football community and that's what that's one of the biggest things that we're doing at the moment. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, I think 
just the same way we don't like having things tucked away in a, in a storage place. We'd like to have them on display. I think that's the same for other people with things at home, you know, maybe tucked away in a garage. It would be great to, uh, to have it out on display. Certainly some of those really unique moments for WA football uh, when you've had these visiting teams over the years and some big-name players come. Uh, you know, you look at the Sampdoria lineup from the 1990s when they came to play WA. Uh, they had, you know, Mancini, which we all know about, but Walter Zenga was in gold. Um, some of the, Attilio Lombardo played. Some of these really big names that, uh, it's amazing to think they were here in, you know, WA to play that game. And there was a lot of, a lot of trips like that back, back in the day. So, uh, look, that's the kind of thing that we, we want to try and keep a really good memory of and, and have things for people to remember as they come along. Absolutely. Vince, well, you have fun and, uh, spread the word and, We'll uh, catch you in the afternoon. I think I'm doing the afternoon shift, so I'll, I'll catch you in a, like a high-five, hand over the baton kind of arrangement there. Thanks, Penny. Thanks, Peter. Have a good show. Good on you. Thanks, Vince. Thanks, See Vince. ya. That was Vince Matassa, who's on the committee of the Football Hall of Fame. We've got a, a growing group attending to lots of different things. Like Vince was saying, one of the things on our agenda is uh, a museum, and it's been 25 years, so we're working on how that's going to look with being able to get um, guests from near and, and far into uh, an event. It's uh, been no mean feat to you know, work that one out and a lot of things on the agenda, but it's, it's actually been quite fun to talk to people and have them share their memories yeah. and, and them offer uh, donations to us and we can fix them up and clean them up and we can display them and and keep them until we have a place for them. Yeah. His description of the, the old WA state kit with the big black swan on yep. it, actually that reminded me because the Glory did have a, a similar third kit a couple of seasons ago of the, the green, uh, sorry, yes. green and gold, the, the gold and black with the black swan on it as part of the crest. So, um, yeah, so obviously no no surprises to see where that uh, inspiration came from for the glory. Yeah, I really like the way that Football West has changed all of the state teams. In fact, I'm wearing one now, the black and gold with the um, swan on the crest. Yep. Um, they changed it about five years ago, I think, so that all the state teams... Um, uniformly wore the the same uniform, so to speak. I think that was that's great. Did they really? Did, yeah. did they not wear the same kit before? Nope. Interesting. Yeah. So even masters teams, etc., that would go away, and state teams, um, amateurs, and whatever. Yeah, they would wear different kits. Okay. Yeah. So I like it. I feel part of the organisation if I ever represent West Australia in any form. Yep. It's nice. Uh, Okay, we'll go to another break and we'll come back and chat more football with Ryan Lennigan. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website 
www.futsalwa.org.au. Hi, I'm Penny Tanner-Hoth. It's season 34 for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia, morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed, but the content filled with passion, news, characters and history has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers, and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find a membership form on our new website, the World Football Program. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Rotaran. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Just before we cut over to our uh, next guest, I have to ask Penny, I always wonder, why does a fencing company have a song that says, don't fence me in? Isn't that the absolute wrong thing for a fencing company to have on their logo? Okay, Okay, so the type of fencing and gates that we do is for frontages that allow gate automation, that allow you complete access. Okay, so you're not fenced in. Okay, right, and and you're right, there's probably a little bit of a, okay, (laughs) got that, Mm, because when we first did that ad, yep, we kind of transitioned a bit. Okay, sorry, anyway, on we go, but yeah, it's always... Always bugged me, and I've never had a chance to ask you. Yeah, we did mostly boundary fencing in the beginning, hmm. and now it's more about the access. Good point. I'll, I'll might just change that advert for next year. <laughs> this is Penn and Pete, and we've got Ryan Linnigan from Football West on the line. Good morning, Ryan. Hello, Penny. Hello, hello, Pete. I um, I'm in need of a, uh, a fence myself, Penny. So I might have to be in touch <laughs> at some stage just to uh, see what uh, what deal we can get done. Customised service just for you, Ryan. No problem. Nice. It would have to be a very tall fence. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those of you that don't know, Ryan is pretty tall, <laughs> even taller than Pete, and yeah. Pete's tall. Yeah. yeah. What's happening across the Football West platforms at this moment? It is very much in planning, planning and uh, review stages at the moment. So uh, we, we are uh, avidly hitting the, uh, the rules books um, and... Um, having very strenuous discussions with our standing committees, given that um, we want to go into 2022 with our boots on the ground and ready to go. So there's been, um, there's been some really good outcomes, actually, in the last couple of weeks as we make our leagues and our competitions and our structures better, more accessible, um, and more, more quality for those players. So, yes, it's, uh, I think I said to the, the guys um, on the radio a couple of weeks ago, there's no such thing as the off-season. So mm. We Just want to changes. make sure we... We get it done while we can. Sure, and I guess um, part of that would be canvassing the the membership and the players and the community for their feedback to see where you know that factors into new directions for Football West. It does. I think that we've probably taken a bit of a different angle than previous years in terms of things like structural feedback and rules feedback. Um, 
of course, the standing committees are still a really important part of providing that basis of feedback. But we also know that not everybody can devote um, you know, that time that it does take to, to sit on a standing committee, but have some really valid thoughts as a player, as an official, as an administrator. So we have tried to set up um, some uh, alternative options for people to still provide their thoughts, um, and it's done in a formalised way via our website. And it has been really successful. Um, we've got a number of uh, rules clarifications or rules tweaks which have come directly from the public as well. Have you got any, um, I don't know, any indicators of what changes we might be looking at for next year? Like, uh, I know that the NPL for the women especially is kind of a new competition and it w- was, um, I'm not quite sure what the word is, but the first year or so was no promotion, no relegation and that's um, changing for next season, I believe. The MPLW space has been an interesting one, predominantly because of the effect of COVID. As you know, um, the, the MPLW league was, um, was formalised. Very def- difficult year for sport across the board. So I think that the the rollout of things like promotion, relegation, um, and uh, and bolstering the league itself have always been somewhat hampered by the fact that um, it hasn't had the greatest of starts given COVID. But that hasn't stopped the growth of that particular league. So. There has been a number of um, proposed rule tweaks and, and structural changes to that league, which, uh, while we're in the final stages of, um, of finalising those off, I can, I can certainly touch on them. So it's things like for the, the underpinning under-23s league, uh, which is that development league um, in conjunction with the standing committee, exploring reducing that to an under twenty one. So giving more opportunities to, uh, to to younger athletes, younger females in that space. Um, certainly, the numbers would already suggest that it is very much a, a younger league than Absolutely. the under-23 cutoff. But um, I think that us formalising that and providing some more opportunities for um, talent distribution will be a, a good thing. There was a request for a player point system. Player point systems are interesting. We've, we've dealt with player point systems across the NPL men's for a number of years now, um, and that's formalised by the FA. A player point system would, in a best-case scenario, see a more equal distribution of talent, um, making it a more competitive league. But, uh, of course, we don't want to get to the point where that means that people have to leave their their, their junior clubs, the clubs that they've represented. Mm-hmm. So getting that balance right has been really important for us. So just on the... Probably, uh, sorry, Ryan, just on the points then, yeah. do you mean... If a player is reached the elite platforms, then they get higher point weights so that you can only have so many of those players in your team or club? That's part of it, Penny. Uh, and we already have that system in the MPLW anyway. If you've, if you've, um, if you've represented it uh, at a, at what's been known as the W League previously, mm. there was only so many of those participants that could be in that first team yep. squad. Yep. Um, the player point system that we're talking about here is probably more of a um, uh, a points reduction to encourage junior development. So if you played your your junior um, you know, junior club football at a particular club, playing senior club football at that same club would be a reduction in points. Therefore, mm-hmm. encouraging those teams to all those clubs to, uh, to put some time and effort into uh, junior development. And, um, and that's something we, we, we believe strongly in. We just have to make sure that we do the modelling to, um, to not uh, detract on, uh, on in any teams, that, particularly in that MPL space, the MPLW space, where um, a lot of those teams are new 
we don't want to be hampering their opportunity for a competitive league. Yeah, and I suppose the outset of that is that concentrate on junior development, then you get the families involved. So it's not just a player, it's their entire family and they'll contribute their resources into volunteering at the club and, and so forth. So it gives stability and longevity to the club and that's what we all want. They're all good outcomes and, and that probably then comes to our third um, recommendation that's come by the standing committee and we're looking at putting in place, which would be um, uh, in effect a mandate for junior teams at all MPLW clubs yep. so that it, they don't just become uh, senior clubs, that uh, that they have that pathway, that aspirational pathway for, for juniors in place. So most of our MPL clubs, uh, MPLW clubs already do that. Um, it would just be about formalising that moving forward. If you have a point system which rewards clubs for... Um uh, bringing players up, training players up from the youth anyway, uh, would you need a, a separate mandate as well to say that you have to have um, a junior program or would the fact that you're going to be penalised if you don't have a junior program because you're not going to have players that give you that points benefit, um, would that be enough of a incentive for clubs to do so? It's probably a combination of both, Pete. I think that um, often with the sports development, we're trying to get the right balance between carrots and sticks. Yep. Um, we want to we want to ensure that you know, it's not all just about, or oh, you didn't do this, therefore it's a fine, or you didn't do this, therefore it's a, a sanction to the points. We want to encourage outcomes. Yep. But sometimes, particularly for those first couple of years, we've, we've really new um, and revitalising changes. There is a need to kind of formalise it within the rules just to make sure that the clubs, and they'll have plenty of support from Football West with this, but the clubs know that it's not just that top league that uh, that matters to us. Female football development across the board is extremely important. Can I ask too, with the NPL, uh, we're saying, well, if you look at the A-League now, it's A-League men, A-League women, so it's kind of a generic term, A-League is both. With NPL and the local uh, football structures here, uh, when we're talking about changes and development, etc., are we working towards having the same structures in men's and women's eventually? The best case scenario would be that, Penny. I think that we, we want uh, equality across the board and equity across the board. So if that means that structures across men's and women are um, where possible the same, that's a really good outcome for the sport. You've got to balance that with the fact that there are probably unique structural components, particularly of men's, that if you had a chance to rebuild that men's structure from the start again, you probably wouldn't have made that choice. And I think that that's really important for us to learn our lessons on too, that just because the, the, the men have a particular structure doesn't mean that it's necessarily the right structure. And I think that for us, that's, um, that's something we always keep in mind is that we can learn our lessons, both good and bad, from the, the history and tradition of the men's game and just make sure as the uh, the burgeoning women's game continues to grow, we have the right pieces around that um, and in the right structural format to make it work best. And what about uh, play, oh, Sorry, clubs being able to have teams across all divisions? I think there was something this year in the women's competition that said you couldn't have a team in each of the top tiers, so State League and NPL, something to do with if you were promoted from the State League, that meant you would automatically be in the NPL, kind of more than one team at that club in the, in the NPL. But if you're then going to allow the teams to have, so the clubs to have teams in all tiers, what happens if they keep winning? Do they keep staying in the same division? This probably gets the, the heart of uh, when you say, when you look at a men's structure and a women's structure, and, and while um, you know, in 
rugby, we, we certainly want to make them equitable. There, there may have to be tweaks to make that best for a development perspective. So from an MPLW perspective, you do have the State League um, as the next tier under. What we have traditionally seen, however, and, and you are absolutely correct, that clubs in an MPLW cannot have then teams in the State League because ultimately, like the men, you'd want to think that there would be promotion relegation between those two tiers. What, what we have seen, though, um, is that large uh, and successful female clubs often bring more females in and therefore their underpinning amateur teams much stronger than some of the state league teams that don't have those um, underpinning amateur teams. So for us, it's about um, looking at that structure with a very critical eye and working in conjunction with our stakeholders and saying, we believe that promotion relegation across all tiers of female football will be important. How do we get there to ensure that we continue to grow the game, that we don't have clubs just monopolise large numbers and... Um, and uh, basically um, turn leagues anti-competitive. We want competitive leagues, but at the same time, we want to make sure that female development's at, uh, at the forefront. So going forward into 2022, there'll be promotion and relegation from the women's NPL? At this stage, uh, while we are still in the, the final stages, Benny, it, it more than likely will not be a promotion relegation year. Um, by that, we mean um, that... Uh, we would like to look at the entire structure of female football in 2022 and it may be unrealistic and perhaps in some respects even unfair to formalise promotion relegation by the end of 2022 mm. when teams starting 2022 wouldn't know that promotion relegation was, uh, was in the plans. So we've, we've got a sensitive balance there. We'll make sure that we're keeping our, oh, sorry, we're keeping our stakeholders informed but for us, it's about making sure that we get the structure from MPL all the way down to Metro Women's Football correct um, and exploring some new options like Masters Football as well. Yep. And is the Women's Standing Committee having input into those kind of decisions? Massively. Uh, we, we are very conscious that uh, a, a Women's Standing Committee or any of our standing committees are really the, the voice of our, our stakeholders and space and um, much like a number of our standing committees. The Women's Standing Committee does a very good job of ensuring that it's not just the thoughts of those individuals on that standing committee, that they have um, dispersed the ideas um, to uh, other clubs that may not have representatives on that standing committee. So it becomes very much a, a community-minded, community-like-minded group. Um, and we're very lucky to have such passionate individuals. They, they meet about once a month um, and, um, and are achieving really good things. Uh, as a standing committee. Can you share with uh, us who the chair of the men's standing committee for the NPL and state league is and the women's NPL and uh, state league committee is? Oh, boy, you're putting me on the spot now. <laughs> homework, um, homework for you, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, so those names are also available online. Okay. So um, yep. if... Uh, it, People, people should know who their standing committee representatives are. So what I would certainly suggest is that if someone heads to our website, um, and again, you know, I'm certainly uh, used to the feedback that, that things can be tough to find on our website, um, but uh, <laughs> looking at the standing committee page will then provide the active constituents of each of those, those standing committees. We have nine standing committees. So it's not just competition. We also yeah. have referees, 
we have um, coaches, we have futsal, um, and then a, a number of those more competition-specific um, uh, standing committees. It's, uh, it's a really interesting part of the sport. From a governance perspective, they, they are effectively constitutionalised via FA, um, and when harnessed correctly, we get some really great outcomes from our standing committees because they are our voice um, of the participants and uh, of the members of the football club, the public. It's interesting that you say that um, we should know. I, I don't actually know who's on the Women's Standing Committee and I think we probably have more banter on this program about the Men's Standing Committee um, or Phil Phil Kelly uh, because, yes. you know, rel- yep. you know relationship to, yep. to Sean, yep, um, and so forth. So we did talk all about the men's competition. Um, but, yeah, I, I wonder if our listeners and our audience out there do know who the representatives are and... Um, how that message does get out there because if there's feedback to be offered or helped in shaping competitions or whatever, then it is an important mm. uh, pathway to know. Uh, and I think that would be a great opportunity actually to have someone like a standing committee member as an, uh, as an interviewee on your show. So for our women's standing committee, for example, it's Conrad McKelvey as that chair, um, a very passionate individual on, um, yep. on female football. And having him um, provide... Uh, a more um, you know, outsider's perspective of what standing committees do and, and what they can achieve would be would be a great great outcome. So yeah, um, it is a while since we've maybe, had Conrad maybe on the show. Maybe we can chat offline yeah. about that one. Too. <laughs> yeah, Conrad's always has got a lot to say, so it's about time we probably had him back on the show about that. But um, let's move along. There's been a few other things um, happen, and you did touch on referees. I did note that you're looking for. Um, people to fill appointments in the was the referee's technical committee? Correct. A really integral part of our, um, our referee structure, our referee um, uh, development. Um, certainly, uh, and I will reiterate this for, um, for all your listeners, you don't have to be a referee to put your hand up to be part of the referee technical committee. It's important that we have a balance of skills and a, uh, a diversity of skills on, on, that, uh, on that committee. Um, You'll find those details on our website. It's just been put up as a news article and it links to a revitalised terms of reference, but uh, an integral part of our game and one that we would love to see um, some passionate and enthusiastic representation on. Now, there's a couple of things before we let you go. Uh, The National Indigenous Advisory Group has come up in the uh, public space in this last week and Tanya Oxby from West Australia and I don't know if many people know Selena Holtzer. I'm going to familiarly, familiarly. Oh mm-hmm. my God! You know, familiarise. Yeah, that one. That way. Um, I know her as Wall. Okay, so we played state team together. I think she's living in the NT now, but uh, she's also been appointed onto that committee, which is great. I, I think um, it's been some time since she's appeared in the WA football space, but um, she was involved with uh, Curtin Morley Windmills. Uh, maybe Perth Soccer Club, I think, when I was playing there. So she's got a history in women's football, so it's great to see her name pop up along with Tanya Oxby, whom we all know now is coaching at Chelsea yep. uh, in England. So some great names there, and we'll see what that brings going forward. And the other thing was State Football Centre. Ryan, did give us a little bit of an update on that. It's going very well. Uh, the State Football Centre, uh, again, uh, it would be a couple of months ago that uh, you know, was, was on the show and good news that the the ground has been broken we are we are steadily moving forward we're well on track for the 2023 women's world cup um and the state football center being a really important part of that uh that rollout you know it's a training center um so uh 
if if someone uh, is is keen, I would would recommend a, a drive past the uh, the current site. Um, it's um, it's coming along very well, um, and from from a staffing perspective, they're starting to really ramp up in terms of how we can make sure that that state football centre um, is a is a standalone success and um, and really pulls together the state football community. Um, you know, whether they're, they're coming from the north or the south, the west or the metro. It's yep. something that we can be quite proud of is that State Football Centre. Yeah, it's uh, backs onto Welshpool Road. A massive area has been cleared um, through the, the the bush there and um, it's open and um, you can drive past and see yep. all the signs are up now. Have a spot for the Football Hall of Fame in there. And... Oh, oh, that'd be nice. Ryan, you hear that? Mm? Yeah, I did. Yep. I, um, <laughs> I heard the interview beforehand as well. So <laughs> it's, um, it's something that... Um, We'll certainly have to explore. I think there's a couple of uh, interested stakeholders putting their, their, sure there is. their hands up to uh, to, to have a uh, look at the space. Another the floor in the facility, Ryan. <laughs> Just keep going up. Yeah, it's going to be 10 stories. No, I, I, I think, again, it's, um, it's those stakeholders, whether they're, whether it's the historical perspective of um, you know, the, the Hall of Fame or whether it's the Football Futures Foundation, or our Asian engagement strategy, or whatever it is, we we have an option to really utilise that state football centre in a way that, um, that celebrates football across the state. Yeah, yeah, good. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today, and enjoy that coffee or tea with your feet up while you can. Always a pleasure, guys. See you <laughs> have a great day. Good on you, Ryan. Thanks, See Ryan. Ryan Lennigan, the Community Manager for Football West, just bring us up to speed with what's happening, changing from feet on the ground to um, planning and strategic stuff for to next year. Boots on the ground. Mm. Yeah. Yep. As the Americans would put it. Yes. A lot happening in Football West space at any time of year. We didn't even touch on the, the proposed third division for the oh, Men's State League. God. I was thinking about that, but never. Damn it. Yeah. Yes. Something for next time. Yeah, it, it sounds like there's a lot of things in progress at the moment. Yep. So maybe the next time we chat, there'll be some kind of formalisation. Like, clubs are already appointing and starting their pre-season yeah. gigs. I mean, wow. <laughs> okay, we're going to go to a break and we'll come back and chat more football with Alistair Gomes from Fair Game Australia. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Programme. Radio, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Everybody has goals. Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge, making new friends, is it finding a career path or reaching your full potential? Chase your goals. See where football can take you. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Coaching football. Is it about leading your nation? giving back to your community? Is it about inspiring the next generation? Or just spending time together? 
find out what coaching football means to you. Visit myfootballclub.com.au I better check that too, myfootballclub.com.au, hasn't it? changed a bit. I've got to check that. That advert was from a few years ago. Now, in fact, I think it might have been 2015. FFA have changed a few platforms along the way. Yeah. Well, it redirects to playfootball.com.au, nice. but you can get away with typing in myfootball. There you go. Another ad I've got a note to change for <laughs> next year. Good morning, Alistair. It's Pan and Pete here on the World Football Program. Thank you very much for joining us from Fair Game Australia. Appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, Fair Game Australia is kind of new to me and probably new to a lot of our listeners. Have a crack at um, giving us a little bit of a a wrap of Fair Game Australia. Right. So, well, we've been around since 2011 and I've personally been involved since 2016. Um, So it started out, basically, we had uh, our founder, his name was Dr John Van Boxmeer. So he was an emergency care doctor um, working in Headland. Now he was um, he was treating young individuals who were suffering um, things along the lines of obesity and preventable chronic diseases. Um, and he also he was able to see out the window of the hospital. He could see some young boys kicking around a bit of rubbish. Mm. Basically, uh, he realised they didn't have a ball and was aware of. Uh, some of the things that were preventing them from playing sports, essentially. And what he wanted to do was he wanted to remove one of the barriers to playing sport, which is the equipment. So um, next time he was in Perth, he decided to pick up some sporting equipment and he, um, him and his friends and a couple of his family members, they went on a road trip across the state visiting communities and dropping off the equipment. Um, basically, since then, it's grown and... Um, has become an organisation and a registered charity where we uh, essentially take up pre-loved sports equipment to remote communities to enable the, the young children to play sports. Okay. It's, it sounds like a pretty wonderful um, charity. Is it staffed by all volunteers? Um, it's primarily volunteers. There are a couple of people who are working in a, um, paid roles, but that is purely because they are full-time or near full-time just to keep the volunteers um, working and having like, access to these communities. Yep. I had a quick look on the website, fairgame.org.au, and up popped using sport to inspire fit and healthy communities, which I, I love, and it's outlined programs, education, recycling, partnerships. So where can an individual or a club... Uh, tap into, or how do they tap into Fair Game Australia to either support it or volunteer or donate or collect, or how does it work on the ground? So, volunteering, we uh, we do a lot of work in training our volunteers before we send them to community. So, that is through uh, what we set up um, called the Fair Game Academy. But in terms of getting the equipment across to the end user, um, that's via our Recycle and Donate program. So that is, you can get in touch with Fair Game um, either via the website or um, Instagram or Facebook at Fair Game Australia. But otherwise, they're donation bins, so they're slightly blue coloured, and they are, there's 16 of them um, round. And the there is one located at Notre Dame. In Fremantle. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, for free, the Freedom House of Bin is located at Bethat Clash 40 Street. Yep. Basically, that's where, if you drop off sporting equipment, so in a football perspective, primarily boots and balls are the, are the main things that you need. Um, and then to take up to the remote communities and essentially allow these young children access to this equipment, which they otherwise wouldn't have. Okay. Uh, Alistair, I'm looking through your, your list here of, of what you're in need of and what you can't accept. Uh, just curious, how come you don't accept sports clothing or uniforms? Like if you're um, a Team Donald kit or something. Yeah, so that's essentially because we have a lot of that. We have... Okay. Um, yeah, basically we're, we've been full up on a lot of sporting uniforms that... Um, we think that we're, we're more in need of the balls and the boots and the like. Yep, fair enough. Hmm. I noticed uh, on one of your Facebook posts that uh, Mum FC chaplain Ben LaHaye popped up with his uh, big smiling face. And and when I say big, he's a really tall dude. He was a <laughs> goalkeeper. He comes down to our grounds at Mum FC and shares the love and uh, resources that he gets his hands on. So he comes down with football boots and, and the like from time to time and um, I'm not quite sure if they come from Fair Game Australia, but I, I'm guessing they probably do, seeing as there's a photo of him on your website. <laughs> yeah, so there's... Um, it's, it's not just the remote communities that we take the boots up to. It's also for um, for bigger clubs to help out parents that um, boot or helping them out financially in Perth as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And what about yourself? You said you've been involved for a few years. Do you do you volunteer in your spare time, and how does that work if you're studying or working? If you have to go on a remote visit, yeah, so you're right. So I, um, when I first started, my first years, I went on trips up to Kimberley, uh, Pilbara, um, road trips through the Midwest, and then there's like weekend sort of trips to the Wheat Belt. Um, you're right. As as you just get, I guess, busier and busier at certain times, you can't. So I haven't actually been on a road trip myself in a couple of years, but um, you can still, we still do uh, lots of, for example, training new fair gamers uh, coming in as part of that fair game academy. So I can make it out for a day to help them. Um, and potentially in the future, again, I could get up to a week long trip like I have done up north or something like that. And what are you studying? So I studied sports science okay. at university. And then I, um, when I was doing my third year uh, work placement, one of my placements that I did was uh, with Fair Game. Um, then I, I did honours as well, and more recently I've started like a research based masters in the same thing. And you're a footballer as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, football a long time before I started at university. Yeah, and you're allowed to brag a bit about who your club is and if you're the best goal scorer in the world. Or, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Um, most recently, so last couple of years, I've been playing um, in Italy too with Curtin. Yep. Um, also playing in the Statesville to League with Pretzel. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's good to have that link there. Yeah, we we talk everything football here, so yeah. Um, in sharing the news about Fair Game Australia is great. I'm sure there'll be a few ears pricked up in some of the 
clubs and volunteers that are listening to the program and can either help or access the resources in some way. It's, it's a really great idea mm. to do this and I, I love the fact that we can share that information and, and help you network and um, spread the news about your organisation. So, you know, well well done to everybody that helps out with that. Good job. Thank you, thank you. Mm, you're welcome. So a link to it is uh, up on our Facebook page now as well Good as a link Kate. to the donation page as well. So if you've got a bag of old balls kicking around or somewhere like that, uh, I think they'd be happy to take them off your hands. Mm, good one. Uh, I know there's a few clubs out there that, well, when COVID was not happening, they would take suitcases of old uh, kits yep. to like Bali and Singapore and, and yep. stuff like that, um, and even African nations. Yep. I'm not quite sure how they got there, but there'd be photos pop up every now and again on my Facebook stream of people wearing club strips that come from Perth, so someone's delivering them or sending them, Getting them I guess, out there, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, that's an amazing thing. I, I, I love the fact that you, know, you can spend $30,000 on your club kits after three years, you just renew them, and some of the kits are looking pretty darn good, and someone mm. else can make use of that. Yeah. I think that's pretty fantastic, and I guess the balls don't last as long. They get whacked about and <laughs> chunked and all kinds of things when they get hit against brick walls, like in COVID time, you just hit yeah, the ball true. against anything you can in the backyard. But uh, it, it's good to share whatever we can. It's uh, it, it's community. Alistair, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time today, and I hope you get out and enjoy that sunshine, young man. <laughs> thank you very much. Good um, on you. Am I able to quickly add one more thing in? Of course Go you can. It. Thank you very much. So um, another initiative that we've started recently in schools is called the Be a Sporting Hero Free Dress Day. Yep. yep. So the, the idea is... Um, students get to dress up as their sporting hero and bring a gold coin donation whilst bringing along their old um, or unwanted uh, boots, balls, etc. Uh, sporting equipment. Basically, the gold coin donation is to help fund the cost to actually take it up to these remote communities and, yeah, I guess, the kids get a, a free dress day at school. So for more information on that, yeah, website, fairgame.org.au. Okay. I, I guess the schools need to be made aware of this too. You've, like if your kid just turns up not in uniform and saying, well, I'm donating. Yeah. So uh, is that is that more something that the schools need to, like the, the you know, headmasters and teachers need to be yeah. made aware of? Correct. So that was more direct at the schools. If we can um, arrange for those in the schools, the students bring um, so, yeah, yeah, more for the administrators, that one. Mm, good one. Yeah, some of the schools um, have particular days. Like, I think there's a um, support your AFL club day I've seen. Uh, I'm yeah, like, I've never my, seen a support my, my your My kids' A-League primary school had a Purple <laughs> Haze Day and I was very proud to send my kids to school in Perth Glory gear because I think everyone else was in Dockers gear. <laughs> and purple is purple, right? That's right. He's going to notice those little things. Alistair, proper thank, team. Th- thanks so much, Alistair. I appreciate your time and enjoy your weekend. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good on Thanks, you. Thanks, Alistair. See ya. Bye-bye. That was Alistair Gomes from Fair Game Australia. Yes, bringing a, a new a new platform to the World Football Program. Yeah, and there's a, there's a link on the Facebook page now also to the uh, free dress day, just literally posting now. So if you are an administrator and you're uh, like a school administrator and you want to get involved, uh, you can follow the link from our Facebook page. Yeah, I think... That's a good idea, actually. The schools and accessing resources are maybe not so much in the metro area, but maybe in the outer areas where they don't get to 
um, see coaches and programs and resources so much. Mm. Mm. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Well, we're going to go to a break and come back and have a chat to Simon Hill. And I just about said Fox. But he's not from Fox now. Don't mention Fox to Simon Hill. Involved with... Network 10 and Paramount Football, which is under the Viacom, I think it's a Viacom yep. umbrella. And they are absolutely going all in on Australian football. Their advertising's been fantastic. Yes, absolutely. We will be back very shortly with Simon Hill. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Programme. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Football program is a community program run by volunteers, just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. Welcome back to the World Football Program on 107.9 FN, FM, FM. <laughs> oh my God, Penn and Pete in the studio <laughs> talking more football with Simon Hill from the 10 Network and Paramount. Good morning. Good afternoon, Simon. How are you? Good morning to you. Very good, thanks. <laughs> yeah. We were just talking off air about one of the big things on your personal agenda has always been support the game, get bums on seats and show you really love the sport. And I'm just looking at your journey through uh, commentary and, and employment in the last 12 months or so. Do you think we're in a much better space now than we were 12 months ago? Well, I certainly am. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah look, I think so. Uh, you know, obviously the, the game has gone through peaks and troughs, <laughs> too many of them over the last, uh, well, how many decades? But 
you know, we've, we've got another big opportunity here to try and make it work. Um, it's a five-year deal with, with the town network and Paramount Plus. Uh, there's money being injected into the game. There's more to come, as mm-hmm. I'm led to believe, with, with this private investment. Uh, we've got exposure on free-to-air, which we haven't had for 50, well, you know, since the start of the A-League. Yep. Uh, I think as you're seeing through Network 10, they're integrating football uh, into their other programming, things like have you been paying attention and the project yep. and yep. Uh, uh, Archie Thompson on, uh, was it MasterChef or My Kitchen yeah. Rules, one of the two, I can't remember. Yep. Um, so, you know, that, that that's all good and, and it helps to sort of seep into the mainstream consciousness, but I think the key to it all, and, and this is where I like the messaging from the APL, is it's got to be about football fans first and foremost. We, we've got to get our core audience back before we start worrying about the mainstream. And I think we've been guilty in the past of, of trying to chase the mainstream before uh, taking care of the needs of the football fans, sort of running before we can walk, if you like. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I'd like to say baby steps, but I, I think that... Um Channel 10 or the 10 network are smashing it at the moment. I mean, we were talking off air about the number of ads on, on and I love yeah. it. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's just great. It's out there in your face, which we want and need. I, I still remember when the A-League yeah. first launched and they had the uh, the uh, advert with uh, the scribe music and the, the players were kicking soccer balls around in, um, in paint. And I was, I was like quite excited for that. And I think I saw that advert on free-to-air once uh, and then it sort of disappeared very quickly. So every time um, I'm on Channel 10 and the ad comes on, like I stop what I'm doing and the, the music gets cranked up nice yeah, and loud. It's, it. so. it's, it's catchy. It'll stay in well, your that's head. That's good, you see, because, you know, the, the, the great thing about it is, uh, you know, a few weeks ago we had the Melbourne Cup, which is obviously a, a huge event in Australian terms. And immediately the race finished, they, they you know, did a quick interview and then they went to a break. And the first thing that was on that break was a minute advert for the A-League, which fantastic. is just fantastic, you know, because you've got so many eyeballs watching that particular event. Uh, and that's what I mean by the cross-promotion. And, uh, you know, that, that's what Channel 10 and, and Paramount Plus are going to bring. Uh, obviously, you know, there's a lot of work to do. There's no silver bullet to success. Uh, it's you know we've fallen a long way with with both the men's and women's competition in terms of eyeballs in the stadiums and on TV. So we've got to build it up again. Uh, it's it's not going to happen tomorrow, but um, you know you look at the the numbers that watch the, both the Matildas and the Socceroos, and uh, that's a fair indication that you know the football fans are out there and they're just uh, waiting to be engaged. Yeah, I found often with uh, friends of mine who were shall we say, not footballing diehards that know that I am footballing diehards, they'll often sort of say to me, oh, you know, when are the glory playing next? Or, you know, has the season started? Because there's literally, unless you're, like I say, a diehard, you actually go and follow it. People just didn't know even when the season was on. Is it still underway? Have they got, you know, are the finals going various times a year? Yeah. Absolutely no clue at all. Yeah. So I'm hoping Look, with uh, all, Channel 10 they'll know. That's all part of it. That's all part of it. And, you know, the, the, the other part of the equation is what the APL have set up this week. I don't know if you've seen this, the uh, the new football hub, which is called Keep Up. Yes. Um, and that will provide, you know, supportive content, magazine shows, features, written articles, video clips, um, press conferences, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we're, we're moving into the digital, well, we're in the digital era now. So, you know, the days of relying on newspapers, uh, and mainstream free-to-air television exclusively for information has gone. Uh, 
Mm. And and that's why I think that this combination, which still gives us that free-to-air presence, plus the streaming through Paramount+, Plus, and the support of the K-pop content platform, is overall a good combination. But, you know, the, the proof will be in the pudding, and uh, people have got to, well, they've not got to, but we hope they're going to get on board uh, and support it because that's the only way it's going to grow. Yeah, and you're spot on. We hope that people will get on board and support it. If they're getting all the messages across whatever platforms are necessary, then they're getting the information, they've got to take that information and they've got to convert it into memberships, bums on seats, tenants at games, all those kind yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah, we hope. We hope for the best. But there's, there's no excuses now. We've, we've always said that it hasn't been promoted properly. Um, now it's getting promoted properly, so let's see what we can achieve. Yeah, I, I still have this uh, reservation in my head, uh, and, and this might be especially from Perth Glory's point of view, Simon, where there's a distance between here and the rest of the nation and what that means for you know, changing of fixtures and you know, getting to games when those change and memberships and all that kind of thing, like that reservation of wanting to get the membership and going to a game because it might change and what that means for each of us personally. Yeah, certainly with, uh, with yeah. the glory fixturing, it's a bit weird too because mm. we've got a lot of away games in a row and then a lot of home games in a row, which I know it balances out, but as a as an ordinary person, a home game every week can actually get a bit much if you've got other things you have to do. Unfortunately, for some people, football well, I think, I think isn't part everything. Of that, yeah, sorry, go I on. think part of that is is obviously, you know, what's happening with the pandemic as yes. well. I mean, yeah. on, the, on the eastern seaboards, you know, our vaccination rates are now, well, in New South Wales, where I am, we're over 90% and we're pretty much, you know, back to normal in terms of travel in and out of the state. Now, where you are in the West, yep. your vaccination rates are still below 70%. Yeah. And there's yep. talk that, you know, the state won't open up until January. So, you know, I think without knowing the ins and outs of, of how they've done the fixture in, I would imagine that's played a part in all this because... It can't be easy uh, to get people in and out of WA for home games for Perth. Uh, so, I th- you know, I think that's probably one of the reasons why uh, they've got a whole clutch of away games to start the season. I absolutely agree with you there, although it does sort of irk me that when it came to bringing AFL teams over two or three months ago, we had no <laughs> oh, problems doing that. That's but a different story. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. We all know about that, mate. We all know who holds the power, and it's not us. It's bloody annoying. Yep. Okay, so let's move into the A-League. Who's your team of choice this season? Simon, I think last time I asked you that, it was Perth Glory. That was a while ago, uh, by the way. Yeah, that might have been last season. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh God, yeah. Uh, That's okay. I'm just reminding you that it was a good comment that you made. I'm just wondering where you're at now. Yeah, I, th- I think I tipped Perth that season that they actually won the Premiership. Yeah, obviously they didn't yeah. win the Grand Final, yeah. so it wasn't far off. Yeah, uh, this year it's look, it's hard I think to look past Melbourne City. Yep, um, they are the champions. I know going back to back is not always easy, but they haven't lost too many players. Um, they've only lost I think Craig Noon and Adrian Luna, and you think that you look at the fact that they brought back Matthew Lecky. Uh, who is a starting Socceroo. They've got Jamie McLaren, who's arguably a starting Socceroo. You've got Andrew Naboot, who's part of the Socceroo mm. squad. I mean, that, that's some front line. Uh, and, you know, I, I wonder where Kolakowski and Tilio are going to play. Uh, and they they were outstanding, those two young kids, last season. So mm. I think they've got depth. Uh, they've got stability. Uh, they've got a good coach in Paddy Kisnorbo. I'm not 100% saying they're going to win it, but I think it's going to take a very good team to take it away from them. Yeah, four players in the A-League in the Socceroo squad and three of them are from Melbourne City. Yeah. 
And Ryan, yeah. Ryan Grant from Sydney. Who, I, like, yeah, I like Ryan Grant. And I Andrew Naboot awesome was supposed player. to come to Perth too, but COVID messed that up. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should, should have been uh, playing for your boys, shouldn't it? Yeah. That didn't happen. I would have liked him in that case. Samuel Atkinson, yes. who had a good season last year as well. Um, Socceroos, Simon, what impressed you or didn't about the game the other night? Oh, I have to say that Martin Boyle is top of my list yeah. of he's just outstanding for the Socceroos. Yeah, he's very good. He, he offers a lot of dynamism, a lot of energy. And yep. I, I like his positivity. Um, every every time he gets the ball, his first thought is to you know try and attack the fullback or the defender. Um, so he's very good. Uh, obviously faded a little bit and, and ended up getting replaced, uh, which is understandable because it had a long journey from Scotland. Uh, and this is part of the problem for the Socceroos. And I I'm not sure a lot of people realise this because... You know, that last 20 minutes when Saudi Arabia really finished strongly, mm. uh, I think people were a bit surprised and couldn't quite figure it out. You know, we're, we're the home team. The problem is our boys play all over the world. You know, they're scattered to the four yep. corners of the planet. And their travel back to Australia was more, much more difficult than the Saudis because they arrived on a private jet <laughs> uh, five days prior to the game. They all play in the Saudi league. They've been training together for you know, quite some time. Uh, whereas Graham Arnold perhaps had one full training session with his entire squad uh, to try and get his message across. So it's it's always going to be tricky for the soccerers because we don't have the money in this country. Um, they're used to doing it. And I thought, by and large, the performance was decent, um, uh, with, with the caveat that they didn't create enough opportunities. And I think that's something that will frustrate Graham Arnold. I think Matt Leckie had one. The goalkeeper made a couple of good saves at one point in the second half. Uh, but in the end, because the Saudis finished so strongly, I actually don't think it's a bad point for Australia. It's, it's frustrating it wasn't three, um, but I think in the end they probably think, OK, you know, a draw is not the worst result. Get them on 10 points. Yep. They beat China uh, during the week, then they're back on track. That's right. That, that'll be the big thing, won't it, to beat China in the next game? Yeah, and they should beat China because China, with the greatest respect, uh, they're not at the level of Saudi Arabia um, you know, and we beat them 3-0 in September in the Middle East. They, they were dreadful, let's be honest. Mm. So unless they've improved markedly since then, um, and, you know, I would imagine that Australia should win that game reasonably comfortably. Yeah, and that game's being held in the Middle East again, so even though it's a Chinese home game, it's being yeah. held in the UAE. Yeah, they've got, they've got pandemic problems of, the, of their own, so uh, it's been shifted to the Middle East, which, again, will probably suit Australia because that's become a bit of a second home for them. So we're currently sitting second, I think, in, second group, in the group under Saudi. Yep. So one one point clear of Japan. So Japan's in the um, the the fourth round position. So top two go through automatically. Uh, so which is currently mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia and Australia. Japan in third spot on nine points, and then Oman, interestingly, in fourth, and you know only two points behind Japan. I, w- I always like uh, Simon with with the World Cup. One of the things I always like seeing is someone new getting to the World Cup, like a new country that hasn't been there before. So, you know, if Oman or Lebanon was to get through from Australia, that'd, that'd, that'd get a bit of a cheer from me. Hmm. Yeah, look, it's, it's, you know, it's always nice to see different countries uh, qualify. I think we saw, who was it? Was it yeah. Panama? Panama was at the, the last uh, one. Yeah, they, they were at the World Cup. You know, they, they yeah. haven't been there before. Um, there was some they, amazing they footage. Like Sorry, I was going to say there was some amazing footage of the uh, Panamanian uh, commentators uh, when they heard their national anthem being played for the first time, which uh, honestly they were they were in tears, and it was it was just fantastic to see what it means, yeah. you know, to get there for the first time. And it, 
you know, in, in future years, obviously we're going to expand the World Cup to yeah. 48 teams in yeah. 2026. So you'll see a lot of new countries there. <laughs> yeah. And we must give uh, kudos to the uh, Australian community. 23,314 people attended the uh, midweek game for the Socceroos. Yep. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well. And, and in pouring rain. rain. It was a yeah. filthy night <laughs> yeah. in Paramount as well. It was horrible. It was raining and it was cold. Um, so it was a decent crowd. Loving the fact that I could watch it from my lounge room. Was the crowd actually undercover? I was trying to see because it looked like some people had sort of raincoats on over themselves, but other people just seemed to be sitting, you know, as if it wasn't raining. Well, the, the interesting thing is about stadium builds in Australia and why this should be the case, I don't know. There, there is a roof that goes all the way around Combank Stadium. It's a beautiful facility, um, but it only sort of goes halfway out. Uh, uh, it, it, I, why, why can't uh, Australian builders uh, construct roofs on stadiums <laughs> in this country? Uh, it, it baffles me. I mean, if you're going to put a roof on, you know, make sure that everybody gets covered, <laughs> either from the rain or the sunshine, which is more likely in Australia. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, they seem to put these, you know, these little piddly roofs on that, that sort of cover half the people at the back and not a lot of the people at the front. I, I don't get it. But anyway, maybe it's saving on money. I wonder how the State Football Centre is going to be built, Pete. Maybe they can get some sort of kickback for, you know, charging more for the seats at the back, and that's that's how it all works. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Who knows? Um, just moving across to the Matildas, they've got a couple of games coming up against the USA. I can't remember the last time we played the USA in Australia. 20, 21 years ago. Oh, wow. Far out, okay. Thank yeah, you. Um, you and... In our top three of teams played, I think they're about third after New Zealand and China, which is pretty amazing. And we've actually got pretty good record of. I remember the, um, oh, not the She Believes Cup. The there was a cup that we the played. Algarve Cup, but no, uh, Portugal. No, hmm? no, there was another another cup that we played and we beat them. And I thought that was yeah, pretty good. That was the tournament of nations, wasn't it? That's it. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, it was indeed. Yeah, so I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to this series. I, I think that whoever US send, they'll have a pretty damn good squad because of their program in the United States is pretty complete, I think, as far as footballing nations and women's development go. So it'll be a, a good test for us. Yeah, look, that, you know, the Americans have been a benchmark in women's football for, for many, many years. I'd say that that's changed slightly in the last uh, few years because Europe is obviously coming up fast on the rails and they're investing an awful lot in the women's game. Um, but, you know, they're, they're still um, Olympic bronze medalists. Of course, they beat Australia uh, famously in, in Tokyo to, to get that bronze medal. So there's going to be a little bit of revenge on the cards, I guess, for the Matildas. Uh, I enjoyed their two-game series against Brazil. I was lucky enough to call both of those games, again, at Combank Stadium. And, uh, you know, they, they were exciting matches to watch, full of goals, end-to-end stuff, Um and, you know, the Matildas need to start building a little bit of momentum. They started to do that against Brazil because their, you know, their results have been sketchy, to say the least. Mm. And I still think they've got big problems defensively. Um, they, they probably need to find a couple of, you know, good central defenders if they're, if they're really going to challenge for serious honours, which, of course, starts with the Women's Asian Cup next year. And then there's the, uh, the Home Women's World Cup in 2023. Uh, I just think that that player or two short of being a truly world-class team. But uh, this will be a good, you know, good test for them because the Americans are obviously one of those nations that will challenge for, for honours. I agree. I also think that uh, consistency in the goalkeeping area is required. Yeah. Um, 
I think that yeah. uh, the uh, Micah who stepped in for Lydia Williams. Yeah, Tegan Micah. Yeah, no. I, I thought she played quite well but was a little bit inconsistent at times and probably just needs to play that higher level a bit more to yep. get used to the, the speed and you know instincts that come at that level. But I think she's potentially a, a great choice for Australia going forward. That and someone at centre-back, like you suggested, is just you know essential for us. Well, look, I think, you know, Tony Gustafsson will, will not admit this publicly, but I have the feeling that Tegan Micah is his number one choice. He's got three decent goalkeepers, uh, Tegan, Lydia Williams, of course, who's vastly experienced, Mackenzie Arnold, and he's, he's given, them, given them all an opportunity in recent uh, games and tournaments. Now, Tegan wasn't available, unfortunately, for those two games against Brazil. She was in the squad. Um, but she picked up an injury playing for a club side in Sweden uh, where she just won the title, incidentally. So she is you know, playing at a good level in Europe. Yeah. Um, but, but I reckon if she's fit and in form, I just have a feeling that Tony Gustafsson, uh, that, that's his number one choice because she plays very well with her feet as well, which I think you know, Tony wants his, mm. his team to, uh, to have that attribute. Um, Lydia's a fantastic goalkeeper she's not playing very often for Arsenal unfortunately she's sitting on the bench a lot yeah. and whether that showed a little bit in terms of her footwork she was a, a wee bit rusty against Brazil uh, Mackenzie Arnold unfortunately was, was ruled out through uh, contracting the, the coronavirus so she couldn't play in those two games uh, she had a chance against the Irish and you know, again respectfully she didn't really cover herself in glory I don't think so I reckon Tegan might be his number one but we'll see yeah, I like um, Tegan Micah's distribution of the ball. She can throw the ball to feet long. Mm. And yep. I haven't seen one of the Australian goalkeepers do that. I, I can't ever remember them doing that. Um, adds another dimension to the game. And instinctively, she can release it quick. And that kind of decision-making helps us move forward. And I don't think we move the ball very forward <laughs> from the defence. <laughs> I want to see that change. Yeah, mm. yep. Absolutely. Okay, uh, and just uh, going over to A-League men, A-League women, um, the season starts soon, um, and we were just talking about the A-League women earlier. In fact, Pete, you were talking to Tash Rigby last week on the show, and uh, we were talking, Simon, about where the games are going to be and where the training is, and there was no answer. No, well, um, Perth Gloria fixed it as being home to Brisbane Raw. Uh, in the first round, and ironically in the second round, we're away to Brisbane Raw still because, you know, gates closed on certain other states. Um, but, yes, yeah, so even even now it's still listed as a to-be-confirmed for the venue for the Glory women's game. I mean, I assume it would yeah. be NIB Stadium, but oh, it could be called... Well, Dorian Gardens. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, true. A- 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 yeah, Park, it's called these days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, I'm a bit yeah. old school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I think it, it, it would be nice if... if uh, and they're doing this in, in other states, like Melbourne Victory confirmed a week or two back that all their women's games will be played at Amy Park this year. A lot of them double headers with, with the men. Yeah. Uh, now I know there's two schools of thought on this. Uh, there are some in the, in the female game that, that believe if you if you just put the games on ahead of the men's, then the fans will only turn up, you know, midway through the game, or it's almost like they're getting second billing. I don't I don't know about that. I, th- I think sometimes it's good to to give supporters, uh, you know, double bang for their buck, basically. Yep. Um, you know, you can come and watch two games of football for the price of one, which I think is good. Absolutely. And we do need to start driving attendances up for the women's game. I, I was noticing before, the last full season before the COVID struck, 
the average attendance across the, the W League, which it was then called, was just over 1,500. Um, we, need, we need to start driving those numbers up and getting people watching on TV as well. And obviously playing at the bigger stadiums is better for TV too uh, because they're already in situ for the men's game. So, yeah, I, I think it will be good to see Perth play at uh, HBF Park, but whether, whether, that's, whether that decision is complicated by other factors or not, I don't know. Mm. We also did, uh, the Glory did at least once we had a, a double header where the women's game was up second rather than sort of before the men. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same sort of thing, um, you know, the crowd sort of fizzled out. Obviously, I think you probably did get a few more people just sit around and say, well, let's stay for the first half of the women's game and then head it off. Mm. It, it also didn't help. It was like a Sunday afternoon and while the men were still played, it was it was the afternoon, it was, it was still reasonably warm. I stayed for the for the full women's game, and I remember by the end it was very cold at HVF Stadium. So, I mean, by the time you're sitting there for four hours, you you set out at two o'clock in the afternoon with the sun shining and everything. By the time it's seven or eight o'clock at yeah. night and the sun's gone down, it's it's suddenly it, quite cold. You're right. It, a lot of it depends on kickoff times as well. I mean, if you've yeah. got a you know seven or seven thirty kickoff in in Perth, then you know by the time the men's game's finished, if you're going to kick the women's game off at uh, you know nine thirty at night, well, you're not going to get finished before midnight. So. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's lo- just logistically preferable to put it prior uh, to the men's game. But yeah. anyway, look, you know, the, the good thing is is that the APL are, are on the same page with that. They know that they've got work to do with uh, the A-League women, um, and I think they're prepared to do that. You're already seeing some of those changes in, in process. So, uh, you know, I'm optimistic that they'll have a good season, and hopefully, you know, more fans will, will watch them both at the stadium and on TV. Yep. Absolutely hoping that. The only thing we've got to cover, I think, is the FF. Uh, hang on, the FFA Cup? Cup. Oh my God, I keep getting the FA and FFA mixed up. <laughs> it is still called the FFA Cup, right? The FFA Cup. Two rounds, yes, two games left cool, of yeah. the old, the existing round. The, the first round, the first uh, round yeah, and, and we've on. still got a few. We've already had a couple played for the second round. Yes, but we've still got the uh, most importantly for us the. Um, Melbourne Victory versus Perth Glory qualifying to get into the first round, yep. which will be played in Adelaide. And then Western United and yeah. Newcastle Jets. Yeah, so the that's the game. other one. That's so. been played today. Uh, is it? I should Pretty know sure that. sure it's getting played yep. today. There's, it is today. Three, cup, three cup games today, yep. um, of which I'm doing the Blacktown City and, and Central Coast Mariners uh, game. And there's, uh, there's two other matches. New, Newcastle Olympic are playing MacArthur, I think, uh, okay. today as well. Is that right? One of the two, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and and the Western United uh, playoff game as well. And we can see this across the Channel Ten network and Paramount Plus through the season. Um, ten play, uh, ten, ten play. play. Sorry, yeah. on today. Yeah, yeah, cool. And this is good, so fans can get to see A League men, A League women, FFA Cup, Socceroos, Matildas. And the FA Cup as well. Uh, so just to confuse you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Thank you. Whew. So the, the the yeah. And all and all the Asian qualifiers and the Asian competitions as well. Oh, that's good. Actually, I did see that they said they were like when the Socceroos match finished that it was had the next one was coming up was the UAE that's South correct. Korea. I think I I have to confess I could not find that. I tried to find it and I couldn't find it on the app. Um, uh, much as I say nothing but positive things about Channel 10 and all that, I do find the 10 Play app is a little bit dodgy at times, especially when I yeah, try I to think, stream I the office. Is, you know, I, I've heard a few people say, where, where do I get it and how yeah. do I watch it? 
uh, you know, in the early days, and we are in the early days, it's, it, there's going to be a little bit of trial and error. Not everything is going to run 100% uh, yeah, smoothly, but, uh, you know, the, I think the good thing is is that the intent is there to show as much football as possible. So yep. um, it is there if you can if you can find it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll find it. Thanks, Simon, for joining us. Really appreciate the banter and um, congratulations on joining the team there with the 10 Network and Paramount. It's uh, great to hear your voice commentating again mm. where it should be. Yeah. Thank you, guys. That's very kind of you. Have no, a good weekend. No problem. See ya. Thanks, Simon. See ya. That's Simon Hill, who I reckon is our number one commentator in Australia. I'd go along with that. Yeah. Good to have his voice back on the program again. Let's go to break and come back and have a chat to Emma Linus from Blackwood United FC. We did just mention Black Black Town and the FFA Cup, didn't we? Yeah, Blackwood United, Black Town, totally different yeah, clubs. Yeah, you betcha. This is Penn and Pete talking football. We'll be back soon. 107.9 FM, your local station. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Let us tell you something about us. If there were no stadiums, no floodlights... No mascots, no commentators, no headlines, no cameras, no contracts, no adverts. Hell, if there was no ball, we'd play anyway. And then we'd find a ball, put nets up, pick sides, take sides. Talk about it. Argue about it. Sponsor it. Film it. Play it. Live it. Because that's the thing about us. We are football. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete in the studio. We're on 107.9 FM. If you miss any part of the show, you can go to our podcast on the World Football Program website. They podcast everything for the whole year is up there and you can subscribe and eventually we'll have all the shows going back as far as we can remember. And as far as we can find them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. Good morning, Emma. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We have Emma Linus, the president of Blackwood United FC, on the line after a very successful weekend of football. Tell our listeners what happens down your neck of the woods at this time of year. Um, yeah, so um, this year was our ninth, um, should have been our tenth, but COVID put the kibosh on it last year, our ninth uh, five-a-side carnival. Um, it's a pretty unique carnival um, in that it's a five-a-side social carnival that we offer down on our grounds in Bellingham, which actually doubles as the town camping ground. <laughs> so we have teams come from all over um, WA and they camp along adjacent to the ground and uh, play a game of football and 
Um, it's it's actually a well-loved carnival down here and with teams from Perth. It's very social. Um, lots of people come together to sort of catch up with old friends. Um, and it's always been a, a real highlight in the social calendar for down in the southwest, and we're really proud of it. Yeah. Yes, it is well-loved. It's always talked about by anyone who's ever been there and wants to go there as <laughs> something that you should be at. Um, and mm-hmm. I experienced it for the first time this year, and that's simply because it's clashed with the footballing season along the way. But um, it ah. didn't this year, which was fantastic. So got yeah, to go and enjoy. Yeah, we're a bit hamstrung, bit hamstrung by the sheer volume of activities that happen down in the inland corridor. We've got the Blues Festival, obviously, in Bridgetown on this weekend. Um, there's a major cycling festival on. Um, we have medieval carnivals, um, so we do have to sort of find a, a free weekend for such a small town it's quite busy with large events <laughs> mm. yes absolutely and my takeaway is uh, two things the tinderbox mm. uh cosmetic company is in yeah. so I, I love that it part <laughs> yep so i snuck yeah. out between games and it wasn't just a sneak yep. out because there was lots of games in the carnival day. And well, you got yourself into the finals, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. My team did pretty good. Go <laughs> Southwest Sharks. <laughs> and the other takeaway was the beautiful setting that the club is in, surrounded by farming and beautiful trees, and one yeah. side is the river. So we got to sneak in our tents in between the river and the ground, which is idyllic. It is an absolutely beautiful ground. Um, it's we have the the rolling hills of um, bailing up surrounding us, um, and I, I think one of the nicest pitches in the southwest. We have an absolutely amazing set of lights as well. We've been very fortunate over the years. Um, a dedicated team of volunteers who actually hand weeded that pitch um, <laughs> to get it to where it is today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. um, so it was a, a derelict oval. So 20 years ago, um, a family moved down from Perth, um, Hawkins family, um, and they had a 28-year association with Armadale Football Club before that. Um, they moved to Bailing Up. They saw a patch of earth um, that hadn't had a, football, uh, a team on it for 20 years. It was pretty derelict, and they, the family set about hand-weeding it, watering it, getting the council to install reticulation, and and the uh, the upshot of that is that 20 years later, we have, yeah, some of the best facilities in the southwest, and we just really owe it to that family for their hard work and perseverance. They saw, had vision in a patch of dirt, um, and it's, it's now a really lovely oval. There were members of the Hawkins family at the carnival, I'm sure. They, they are, yes, they're still around. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tony uh, Hawkins, who's the, the, the father of the founder of our club, he's still... Um, does our lines for us and um, I won't say how old he is but he's far too old to be doing the lines Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but he is a wonderful man and he still does our lines and um, uh, Vicky Hawkins is still very much involved with um, the day-to-day administration of our club we um, we owe a a great debt to that family we do wish that they would come back Um, (laughs) but um, um, you know as with all things I think 20 years was probably enough (laughs) yeah and when I think of some of the club's that are kind of stalwart to the football community. I can think of families, Hahn was at Sorrento, mm-hmm. Woodfin's at Queen's mm-hmm. Park and, and so forth, So and generations yeah. of. And I'm thinking Queen's Park, there was Beryl and then there was Steve, Linda, 
Stacey, that's four generations, and then oh. they've got kids, that's five generations mm-hmm. there. Whew. So, so yeah, bailing. Yeah, I so mean, Blackwood's we really a, owe. Um, sorry, I was going to say, so Blackwood's got a, a bit of a path to follow to catch up there. Yeah, <laughs> <I reckon>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't got that many. We, ne- next year, we'll celebrate our twenty years as a club. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, uh, we. Um, it's these families that sort of love football that um, really are the the backbone of grassroots football in Western Australia, mm. um, especially you know what with. Football being um, bottom-up funded, really, um, the reason that A-League is so wonderful is because of these grafters in these clubs. So I think we're really lucky that we have so many dedicated families across Western Australia who are prepared to put the hours in. And we're really lucky in bailing up with such a tiny population that we had a family who loved football enough to, to get it going because, by all accounts, our population is far too small to support a football club. Um, and yet we have one. Yes, but you're in a beautiful part of the state... Mm. And yeah. there's some lovely things in the main street when I nicked out between games to just go to Tinbox. My yeah. mate, Lisa Murphy, and I, we got distracted on the way back. There was a couple of other open shops, like there was a knick-knack shop and so forth. So we kind of mm. said, oh, look at our watches. Oh, Ten minutes before we play, we've got two minutes. Yeah, we can do that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is a beautiful little town. Um, it's a bit of a hidden gem. Um, But there's a a corridor of sort of beautiful little towns if you're going to do that inland drive. It's just a really lovely place to go and visit. But um, obviously I'm pretty biased. I think bailing up to a little bit of paradise. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I was just going to say, I'm a big fan of the uh, the Golden Valley Tree Park you have down there as well. I've been down there a few times. Yeah. And that's such a, again, just the vision of some... um, um, I don't know the full history of it, but I, I do know some um, local um, tree enthusiasts um, petitioned for that land to be um, preserved. Yep. Um, and it's been preserved ever since. Um, and it was really just the vision, it was 100 years ago, I believe, um, yeah, yeah. of some people who um, took it from pine plantation into what is now, I think, one of the largest arboretums in Western Australia. Mm. Um, and it is absolutely stunning. And again, um, it's local community volunteers who actually manage that um, and get together to to keep that looking as beautiful as it is. And it's been very popular during COVID um, <laughs> because can't go to Bali, so instead they go to bailing up. Yep. Um, <laughs> but it, it's certainly been really popular. It's been really nice to share it with so many um, people. Obviously, tourism has definitely been more popular in the inland area. Um, so it's been really nice that more people are, are coming to see what a beautiful place it is. Hopefully not too many people, though. <laughs> not all at once. Yeah. No. <laughs> Give us a little bit of an outline of the Blackwood United FC. What competition mm. does it play in and, and how far do people travel to get to you and to get to their grounds? Yeah, so um, we are part of CCJSA, which is the Country Coastal um, junior Soccer Association and then we're also part of SWSA which is the Southwest Soccer Association so our seniors play in SWSA and our juniors play in CCJSA um, the juniors because we're the only junior club in the area we attract people who live as far away as Northcliffe um, which is south of Manjimop. Okay. Um and they come and play for Blackwood so on a Thursday night they travel about 45 minutes to training to our ground to do Mm. their home training. And then on the weekends, if they have Bunbury games or games out in Harvey, they can travel up to two hours to get to their games. 
Um, so it's a big commitment <laughs> for our community. Um, but for teams coming to play us, uh, most of the teams in this in the CCJSA and the Southwest Soccer Association are sort of centred around the Bunbury region, um, and they obviously travel about an hour to get to us when they play their away games. Yeah. So that sounds about like if Bunbury were participating in the Perth competitions, yeah. so they'd travel a bit yeah. of distance like that, like the Southwest Phoenix, etc. Well, people are yeah. dedicated, aren't they? Very dedicated. I mean, the under I. My favourite is our under-16, who are incredibly dedicated because you've got to remember that those under-6 games go for about 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. So they travel an hour and 10 minutes to play a 40-minute game, and then they travel an hour and 10 minutes back to our grounds. Mm. Um, and that's if they live in Bailing Up, but a lot of them live in farming communities outside. So, you know, they, they, it's a full day so that their child can play 40 minutes of soccer. Mm. So, I mean... Um, a massive, massive commitment, and we're just really lucky that there's so many families prepared to do it. And, and that's why our carnival is so important um, for us, because we know what a financial commitment is just from petrol alone and transportation for our parents to get their children out to these games. And so we try as much as we can to subsidise our fees um, so that we can really keep them as low as possible, and that's what the carnival does for us. Um, it allows us to offer football to the community uh, in a more cost-effective way because um, the association and football west and fees are quite high so if the club was to put anything on top of it it would be um, price prohibitive for a lot of local families and we don't want that we want more people playing football great work Fantastic. Yeah. Mm. yeah you mentioned that in your presentation speech and I, I was I was hooked with that I, I thought you know a lot of people say that football soccer is cost prohibitive and in Perth, Emma, when we're talking about NPL structures, there's quite a lot of money involved with kids to play mm. NPL football and seniors as well. Um, yeah. And, you know, your situation is very unique. You're outside of the metro area and people travel to where you are. Um, it's a beautiful location. And what you said kind of struck with me that you want to provide cost-effective football just so that they can play, and that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we are the only sport that you can play in bailing up. There's no other sport available for children in the bailing up um, town. Um, if they want to travel to Bridgetown or if they want to travel to Donnybrook, they can access a sport, but there's there's no other sport in bailing up. So we do have quite a lot of children in our community um, and a lot of them play soccer, uh, football. Um, so we're really, we, we feel really proud that we can offer that service. And, and if we didn't have football in bailing up, there would be no sport outlet for any child in that community. So... Good stuff. Um, the, yeah. I, I did want to know too, there was a big shed at the back of the facility. Was there some other type of clubs that use that facility? Yeah, so that's the recreation centre. Um, we don't use that because you can't see the pitch from the rec centre. So um, that's the, the community all use it. Um, okay. It's got a big um, indoor centre and, uh, you know, facilities. But unfortunately, because it's so far from the pitch, we don't use it. And we were really lucky... Um, quite some years ago, the Small Farm Field Day, which runs in Bailing Up, gifted us um, that little shed that we use that sits adjacent to the pitch. Hmm. Um, and that's what we use as our sort of club room. Hmm. Okay. So are there yeah. other activities that bring the communities together in Bailing Up besides this carnival, like uh, annual events? Um, annual event, yeah. So there's um, the Small Farm Field Day, which is not very small. It's quite large, <laughs> um, which... <laughs> Um, happens on our, on the Oval. 
um, and basically there's hundreds of stall owners um, basically from all uh, the regions and they're all farmers and they basically have their own stalls and their different produce and, you know, different kinds of alpacas and different kinds of sheep and different, you know, you know, tractors and things. And uh, lots of people from the surrounding areas come for that. That's quite a big event. Um, and that happens on the Oval. And we have a strong affiliation with the Small Farm Field Day. They've been incredibly supportive of Blackwood United. Um, they use our pitch every year. Um, well, it's the community pitch, but they use the pitch every year and they take really good care of it. Um, and they um, also provide lots of grants for the local community. Um, that So they're a non-for-profit, so any money that's made from that goes back into the community. So that's a really big event. We also have the Medieval Carnival. Um, which runs in August every year, which is a really major event. And again, they provide grants back to the community. So, um, yeah, all of the the big events that happen in Bailing Up are very community-driven. Um, and, you know, our event directly supports our community by just subsidising the football itself. Um, and also it keeps that facility... Um, we put a lot of money back into the facility itself to keep it nice for everybody to use. Um, and the cricket use it in the off-season yep. as well. Oh, yeah. So there is a there is a cricket uh, club there as well, or uh, not in um, Bailing Up, but they use the ground. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's Bailing Up Greenbushes, sort of, or Bailing Up Dollybrook, yeah. um, but they sort of move around the pitches. Oh, I see. Yeah. The, the grass yeah, was kept in excellent condition. I thought all of the pitches were aligned in a way that it was. I always think of Perth Glory in HBF uh, Stadium or Park. I can't remember. Um, H. Perth Glory's ground in Perth, anyway. Um, the, it's like carpet. Yeah. And I, I thought, well done, uh, Emma and Blackwood United team, because the grass for the five-a-side carnival was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the hand, local hand council guys. That did it. <laughs> yeah, our local council guys that look after that, my goodness, if they're listening, big shout-out to them. Um, we love them. Um, they really take an enormous amount of pride in the Oval, I really think it is one of the jewels of bailing up, um, and they they do a great job. Um, they've taken really good care. Of, I mean, it's been a lot of rain this year, which has really helped, but they take excellent care of it, and um, it really is a top-rate facility. Um, so we're, and oh, having the brook next to it really helps. A lot of water next to a lot of grass is yes. really helpful. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's um, it is beautiful, um, and I think it's looking better this year than it has in a long time. So we're. We were pretty stoked that it was looking so nice in time for the Five-A-Side Carnival. Yep. Uh, just give us an overview too because I actually don't know how many teams are in the Five-A-Side Carnival. Yeah, we had 35 teams um, in the carnival, um, which is uh, sort of at the top end for us. Um, we try not to make it get too big. Um, but what we were really excited about was this was the first year that we had um, women's masters in the carnival. We've Go tried. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we've tried for a few years to get women's masters going, um, and we haven't had enough teams, um, in you know, register to, to to get it going. But actually, it was our strongest site, uh, our strongest division this year. We had the most registrations, and it filled up the quickest. So, um, and I think I've got to thank some of the ladies at the Hay Park Hogs for their promo on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, because they're really great supporters of our event every year. Um, big ups to Hay Park. Um, but, um, yeah, I we, think that we were was, really excited. I think that was probably because the Australian Masters was supposed to be held yeah. in Perth in mm. November so that everyone was getting ready for that. It's been postponed. I'm talking yeah. the Australian Masters. 
the National Masters, whatever they're called, and it's been postponed to April next year. So that uh, allowed everyone yeah. to go, okay, we've got a team, we've got kids, yep. we've got to play somewhere. We've already booked holidays. Yeah. yeah. That's it. We've yeah, already booked holidays. Yeah. Oh, no, it was so great. And uh, as a Masters woman myself, um, I'm pretty excited to see Masters football for women really kicking off. And I really hope that um, that level of energy spirals into the Southwest competition. Um, moving into 2022 and we can actually start to see Masters women's in the southwest, which would be awesome. Emma, it's been fantastic having a chat to you. Well done to everybody in your team for organising the event and I hope it filled the coffers and did whatever it was expected to do for your club. It was lovely. Yeah, thank you for your support and uh, well done yourself on keeping almost a clean sheet for the day. <laughs> it wasn't against Emma's team, by the way, Pete. I okay. saw that look, Fair all right? Enough. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, hogs, hogs and South hogs. Sharks in the final. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the final score? Actually, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it Dang. might have been... Three nil. I didn't have any goals scored against me in the final, Pete. I'm just okay. saying, all right? All right. Yeah, I, I did okay. <laughs> I, and Emma, I have to say, I hurt the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw the level of enthusiasm that you put in on the Friday night, so I was worried about what you were going to put out on the Saturday. So. <laughs> it was fun. It was a very relaxing atmosphere, and I'd love to do it again. So well done on everything about the carnival. was fantastic. Well done. Yeah, we really hope to have you back next year. And I think um, the hot tip is that some of our girls are pushing for some walking football for next year as well. Oh. So that, that's an, uh, an exciting addition that you might see in next year's carnival. Yeah, look after that grass space. It might have more teams than 35 hammering it next mm. year. <laughs> mm. All, right. All right. Enjoy your weekend, Thanks Emma. very much. Thanks, Take Emma. care. Bye. Bye. That was Emma Linus, the Blackwood United FC president, and she did mention there about the Hawkins family who founded the club almost 20 years ago, uh, come from Armidale and been involved for a few decades there as well. And they put in a lot of work, and it is, it's a fantastic little club, yep. unique. And if you if you zoom in on Google Maps on the Oval, you can actually see seven five-a-side pitches marked on the cricket pitch. I've just got it up there. Nice. So, yeah. Very nice. Yep. So if you haven't been to the Blackwood five-a-side, you maybe plan to put it into your calendar for next year. Yep. A lot of the carnivals are booking up, like filling up. So I know the Margaret River Carnival, which is early next year, I think that's already closed out with yep. registrations. Uh, just, uh, yeah, it's great. All this after-season stuff, people are just getting excited and maybe the, the uh, Masters Tournament, the Australian Masters Tournament, which has been postponed to April next year in Perth, is part of that. Yep. People want to stay together and play their games, but... We're going to go to break and come back and have a chat with our last guest, which is Jonathan Aspro from Perth Glory. Better push that button, hadn't I? This is Pen and Pete. Back soon. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. A true Glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting... Waving a flag. Always there, always passionate. Jumping up and down, going absolutely animal. And continuing to make an amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on glory uh, during the week when we're making our uh, banners and this and that. Well, the feeling when glory score is just most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. Something everyone just jumps up and down. 
an eruption of cheering, yelling and flag wave. It's just one of those things when the goal hits the back of the net, it's an amazing, it's an amazing situation. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete here on 107.9 FM until midday today. And then we do it all again next week from 10 o'clock with another team in the studio. We've got Jonathan Aspro on the line from Perth Glory. Good morning. Morning, guys. How are we going? Excellent. Thank you for joining us. I believe you've had a morning off training today. Yeah, we've uh, we've been lucky enough to, uh, to have today off, which is... Which has been great. We've uh, trained uh, trained all week, and um, so Garth was um, was uh, thanks enough to uh, give us today off. So really nice to um, get out and about and just get away from football for for a day, and um, and then we hit the ground running on uh, on Monday in preparation for Saturday. What does a morning off football mean to you? Does it mean a sleep in? Yes, it does. It, it, it definitely means a sleep in. It, it definitely means uh, a morning in bed, which is uh, which is nice. And, and uh, in contrast to the early mornings that uh, that we've got, and not too early, but uh, early wake ups that we've got. And um, and yeah, and it's a beautiful day today. So I've actually found myself down at Cottesloe, um, so a beautiful part of the world. And um, yeah, just relaxing, taking my mind off off everything, and um, just completely switching off and. Um, and then, yeah, mine back on the job, I guess, on, on Monday, ready to go for the next weekend. If you put your toes in the water on behalf of all the fans, can you watch out for those sharks <laughs> so you're available for the game? Yeah, will do. Will do. I, uh, I'm, I've been watching out with my head's on a swivel and um, just watching out for, for any of those sharks patrolling uh, in light of the news of the last week. So, yeah, heads on a, heads on a swivel, that's for sure. Yep. Are you feeling spot on and is your body, like, in tune and at, at, at its peak ready to rock and roll for the start of the season? Yeah, ready to go. So just, um, obviously, we're in a place now mentally where we've, we've been training for 16, 17 weeks and the season was, you know, originally uh, postponed because of, obviously, the border situations and, um, so what was a, an already long pre-season has, has gotten longer and, um, you know, being in WA, it's been hard to kind of get out of the state and play games against other A-League teams. So um, we found ourselves playing against our, our youth side, which has been, you know, every week has been a great test for us and um, just to get our match minutes um, under our belt. And um, But, yeah, I think, like I said, we're at a point now mentally where we're all kind of, you know, ready to go and, and ready to rip in and, um, you know, from a physical standpoint, um, you know, it's hard to gauge because, like I said, we haven't played an A-League team at the moment, but, you know, we feel as though with the training that we've done and the way we're going to go about our things this season that we're more than ready to, to tackle round one and really, really confident with the boys that we've got in our team. That's good to hear. For our listeners, Jonathan, give us a little bit of an overview of... Uh, Jonathan Aspro, do you have a nickname? Who's your favourite player? What are your aspirations in football? <laughs> um, so we'll probably just have to stick with uh, with Aspro as the as the nickname. Just a very uh, very easy one to to remember for for everyone, I guess. But um, uh, in terms of uh, favourite um, player, I, I watched a lot of football um, growing up, and I always looked obviously in the the guys in my position, I, I love watching 
Um, you know, Gerard PK play always like you know, from the time that um, you know, he was in his younger years at Barcelona and um, you know, players like John Stone, Thiago Silva, so all the you know, some of the best defenders in my position uh, when I was growing up, you know, kind of watching those guys and trying to emulate some things and um, yeah, so aspirations is to um, I guess year on year it's, it's to try and play as regularly as I can and and try and put my best foot forward to, to make sure that we're in, you know, finals contention and, and fighting for, you know, for higher honours at the end of the season. But, you know, from an individual point of view, really wanting to keep stepping up my performances and, and try and kick on to, you know, a new level and, um, and then try and hopefully over, get overseas one day. But I know that that comes through performances here and showing my quality mm. here in the A-League that, that those moves will come. Mm. Do you follow any teams overseas? Um, I'm a massive uh, Newcastle United supporter, so I'm <laughs> been extremely happy over the last uh, over the last month's event of our big money takeover. So I'm extremely extremely happy about all that. But um, been through a lot of uh, highs and highs and lows in supporting Newcastle, but hopefully some good times ahead in the next uh, in the next five to ten years. Um, what about in the World Cup? Because uh, you know um, Greece, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah, Greece is, a, is obviously is a, is one that I always support, but we haven't been there for for a while. We, we certainly when we weren't even in last year's Euro, in this year's Euros. So. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, um, with the recent results, you won't be in next year's World Cup because no, you're out no, of the way. No, we won't now. be. Thank, thank you for. Uh, <laughs> thank you for Sorry about that. Thank you for reminding me. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, uh, Pete, some of the World Cup qualifiers, do you want to just um, give us a heads up as to like who's significant at the moment? Well, who's, no, Brazil well, so, so Brazil they? have locked their, their spot in there now with their uh, recent result overnight. Uh, they had a 1-0 win over Colombia. So they're, they're yep. through. So the teams that are definitely through now are Germany, Denmark and uh, Brazil, obviously as well as Qatar. Uh, worth mentioning, uh, Germany versus Liechtenstein last night. Um, you expect it. You expect Germany to win that at a trot. But when one of the German players took a boot to the face ten minutes in, um, Liechtenstein got a player red carded, obviously. And I think the Germans decided no mercy in that game. They finished that one nine nil. So they, that was an outright slaughter. Nice. Uh, Poland and Andorra. Similarly, uh, an Andorran player was red carded early on for throwing an elbow. To the jaw, so I don't know. With with the that European micro nations just had a bit of a bit of a small man syndrome in the recent set of results or so forth. But um, uh, in that group, uh, Pol- uh, Poland and England are definitely finishing top two. So currently, England's top of the group and will looks like the automatic qualifying spot, and Poland will go through to the playoffs. Hmm. Um, one group that I did sort of look at that I think looks pretty interesting is uh, Group A: Portugal and Serbia. They're tied at. The top, so both of these two teams are going to finish top two, but the final match is between the two. So okay. whoever wins that goes to the World Cup just directly. Just out of curiosity, is Ronaldo still featuring? He's still captain of Portugal. I believe so. Okay, I just wonder with his shift to Man United. Yep. Um, and I don't know. What do you think, um, Jonathan, with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo playing at Manchester United? Do you think he's at the top of his game? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think he's. Um, you know, I think the goal per game record speaks for itself. I think on an individual basis, I think he is. And, 
Um, obviously, from a team standpoint, they've had a few tough results lately against some really big teams. Um, and they're going through a bit of a rough patch, I think, collectively. But I think from an individual point of view, um, probably doing as much as he can and as much as he's ever done because he's always his goal for games ratio has been. Yeah, that, and that's all, that, that's all you can ask from a goal scorer, yeah. isn't it, really? I mean, we were talking about the Socceroos yeah. earlier, and I'm yeah. I'm liking Martin Boyle and his energy, and as Simon Hill said, his dynamic that he's adding to he, the yes. Socceroos. Um, but we could do with someone that could score one or two goals per game consistently for the Socceroos. Who do you reckon that is, Jonathan? Well, funnily enough, I was... Uh, I was uh, I was with uh, Bruno Cornaroli last night, and mm-hmm. uh, he's talking about being naturalised. So that could be, uh, <laughs> be a little little sniff on the on the cards. He's uh, he's loving his time in Australia. He's, he's talking a lot about getting naturalised. Um, so he could be one that he's getting, you know, on the other side of thirty now, but he's still scoring goals. Got a lot of goals for us last season. So you know, maybe one day you can um, could put him in and amongst it. How does that work? If you he hasn't played in any other national team, has he? Because you, you can't no. play for a national team and then change to another. Not once you've played at senior level, you okay. can swap and like the under seventeens, uh, under eighteens. Yeah. Gotcha. But, Which I think where yeah. Ma- that's where Martin Boyle's stepping, hasn't he? Because yeah. he played. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Tim Cahill famously played like one game for Western Samoa, and we nearly didn't get him to Australia for that yeah. reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so who's the team to beat this year? Who do Glory want to play and beat? And besides um, team, you know, who do you think is strong? Yeah, I think that's the diplomatic answer, and I don't think you want that from me. <laughs> um, you want a you want a juicy answer. I um, do. Correct. I'm gonna obviously um, watching Melbourne City play last night in the FFA Cup. They look yep. like they've you know just you know got off on the on the foot that they uh, they got off last season. I guess um, that title winning season. So they're going to be. You know, formidable again. Another season under under uh, under Paddy is nowhere there, and it looks like they're just playing the same way, and uh, if not better. And you know, so with the with an improved squad, I guess with uh, with Lecky coming in, and yep. um, I think one of the other foreigners that they've, that they've signed in midfield. So they look like really, they look really sharp again, and uh, a team that you know we're going to have to really. Yeah, be on a hundred percent on the on our top of our game, and you know it doesn't go without saying that Sydney FC will obviously be there again. And yep. um, you know they're they're the team that's been there for the last six or seven seasons, and always a formidable side to play against with with experienced players. So we you know we can't count them out. And um, yeah, obviously I, I need to mention all the other teams, but I think they're the other two, they're the two that um, you know I think that you know. Will always be up there, but and to some play, you know, some of the most attractive football as well. Yes, true, true. Um, who do you think is going to be scoring our goals this season for Glory? <laughs> well, we we're very um, we're very very lucky to you know to have the the players that we have up front. We we are just you know we have a plethora of options up front. I think this year and. And Garth and the, and the coaching staff have done a really good job in identifying, um, you know, some the talent that we've got up there and bringing them into the squad. Obviously, we've got Bruno and um, obviously now Daniel, and um, we've got Andy Keogh, who's a proven goal scorer in this league, and um, you know he he can obviously chip in with 
with goals whenever we want. And we saw that last season, and we've seen that in the you know six or seven seasons that he's been here. Mm. Um, I've got, got Adrian Sardinera now, who's you know got a high pedigree in Europe and a, and a, a goal scoring record, and also a, an assist record there. So, um, but then we've also got some young boys that that came in last year and did well, and um, like obviously Daniel Bryan mm-hmm. chipped in with a few goals last year. So we've got so many options. Um, up there that we can kind of count on and um, you know if one player is not scoring you know someone else will kind of fill the gap and I, you know, I think that um, those attacking options are kind of the envy of the league at the moment because it's got so much quality up front and at, at back as well you've got to keep the goals out mate that's all down to you right <laughs> yeah for sure and, and it's you know something that's um, I guess well documented you know you look at the table and you know, we scored 44 goals last year, but you know, up until kind of the back end of last season, we you know we were conceding quite a few, and that's on us. You know, defenders also us as a team, how we you know kind of stop all that, and you know how we have a mentality of not conceding because you know if we half that and we concede you know, 22 or max 25, then you know we're in a different position on the table. So mm. if we can you know stop the amount of goals that we're conceding, and you know we've been working on. On our on our defensive uh, shape and structure throughout the preseason, and if we can stop that and you know limit uh, the chances for the opposition team, obviously, you know we're going to give more opportunities to our attacking players, and with the quality we've got up front, um, we're going to take more chances than not. So um, yeah, it's about you know, that defensive side of the game. I think more of a focus and um, having that more of a balance in our in our play, which will uh, help us greatly. I, I agree with that, that uh, we have goal scorers. Um, we get the defensive unit right, um, push the ball down, a bit more risk up front, um, mm. consolidate at the back. We've got regular goal scorers. Yeah, and, and, and I've yeah. got no problems with the you score three, we score four mentality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Jonathan, it's been absolutely fantastic having a chat to you and... <laughs> Um, appreciate your time. Enjoy your day off, and uh, we'll look forward to you on the park uh, next game against Adelaide. Good Adelaide, luck with that yeah. one. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Good on Thanks, you. Jonathan. See ya. Thank you. Bye. That was Jonathan Aspro, defender for Perth Glory. Go Glory. Yep. Pete, thanks for joining us today. We have uh, squeezed Not, a lot in. We have indeed. Yep, Len and Bag's groove is up next and the World Football Team will be in again next week. That'll be Sean or Hugh, not sure. I think Sean. Okay. And thanks for listening in, everyone. Have a fantastic weekend. This is Penn and Pete signing out. Same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.